We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live uh, on a very late Wednesday evening. Thank you for uh, joining us in the chat for your nightcap tonight, and uh, excited to dive into all the coaching news tonight. Obviously, uh, the Chargers moving on from Joe Lombardi and Shane Day, as well as Michael Wilhoit, um, and obviously the decision to uh, main or uh, retain, excuse me, uh, Mr. Brandon Staley. So we're going to dive into everything tonight. Uh, regarding the Chargers coaching staff. And uh, at the end of the show, we'll give our uh, top five candidates for uh, the Chargers offensive coordinator position. So it uh, should be a fun one. Joining me are my guys, Tyler and Alex. Alex, we'll start with you. It's uh, 1 a.m. local time for you. Uh, but how are you doing? Yeah, it is 1 a.m. So let's do the podcast and also... Tyler's co-workers who scheduled that meeting. I don't know. Maybe inform him of the meeting sooner next time. But... <laughs> We're here, 1 a.m., got a lot of stuff to talk about, so let's go. Yeah, at some point, uh, Alex will have to, uh, will be able to stop wake, being awake at 1 a.m. local time uh, to record podcasts, so, uh, you know, but so appreciate it. it. Hey, man, this is late for me, so 1 a.m., I can't even imagine, so genuinely appreciate you staying awake this far. Uh, Tyler is here as well, man. Tyler, what's up? How you doing? I'm so sorry, Alex. I'm so sorry. <laughs> okay. It was going to be three because I needed it to be three. Then it needed to be nine because I needed it to be nine. I apologize. But you know what? Your Eagles, they're playing this week. And so that's that's good, right? That keeps yep. you awake, keeps you going. I guess. 
Have you uh, decided if you're going to be able to make it out to Philadelphia for any of these playoff games? Well, I mean, n- not confirming, but I mean, if they do make the NFC Championship, maybe we'll see. All right, I'm very jealous in, in that regard. Would love to uh, see the Chargers host an AFC Championship game at some point in my lifetime. That'd be really fun. Um, obviously, uh, like I said, we're here to talk about the coaching decisions today. Um, before we get started, you know, if you are listening or watching and uh, you wouldn't mind taking the time to subscribe, like the video, uh, leave us a rating or review on the audio platform of your choice, we would uh, really appreciate that. So, uh, this is officially the time of the year where some people uh, start to check out of the podcast land, and we would uh, obviously appreciate you guys sticking around for the off season content. Got a lot of fun stuff planned, uh, this time around for the draft for free agency. All of that gets good stuff. We're going to have you guys covered uh, wire to wire this offseason. And uh, hopefully you guys uh, stick around. So uh, that being said, uh, let's dive in here. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Chargers obviously deciding to retain Brandon Staley. That's where we are going to start today's conversation. Um, obviously, the uh, four of us on Saturday night show, we're all pretty much in favor of moving on from Brandon Staley. Um, so I want to discuss the ultimate decision to move on from or to uh, keep him around. Obviously people are still talking about like, Oh, they should still fire the, the head coach. It's not happening. <laughs> that would have been the first move made <laughs> yeah. if that were actually happening. So obviously Brandon State is going to be the coach for 2023. Um, I, I would like to frame this since all four of us were uh, pretty much against him returning. I would like to frame this conversation in the sense of how Brandon Staley uh, regains our trust and our confidence and, and be able to kind of talk about the things that Brandon Staley has to do from here on out in order to uh, kind of re- regain his former uh, reputation, if you will. So, uh, Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, first of all, your reaction to Brandon Staley, you know, keeping his job again. And then secondly, uh, what are you kind of expecting or what, what are you hoping for over the next few months? Uh, in order to have him regain your trust. It wasn't a surprise. Seeing him stay on and Tom Telesco stay on was not a surprise. I believe if anyone had the you know the lowest chance of being fired, it was Brandon Staley. And then because you're not firing Staley, you're likely not firing Tom Telesco. So both of them sticking around, not a huge surprise. And listen, I wanted them to move on, but I understand and can even not get behind but I understand like what they're doing by keeping him because like we talked about even after they lost to the Jaguars and even after we talked about them moving on from Staley is that like I do see a world where the Chargers do get better. They do improve. You know, they you want a coach to develop and get better. So there's like there's some hope there. But, you know, I was out on this regime like two thirds of the way through the season this year because it just didn't feel like anything had particularly changed with this team up until that point. And frankly, I don't really buy that the, the games that they won and this, this winning streak that they keep talking about in the press conferences, I don't put a lot of stock in that, to be completely honest. And I didn't during the season, and I don't now. As far as winning back my trust, then, it, it now just comes down to winning. Like I, I don't really care what it is at this point. If injuries hit you again, that stings at some point. Like, you feel bad. But if they don't make the playoffs because of all injuries again, and potentially because of the sports science team that you have and the training staff that you have, sorry, but you have to go, fair or not. I, I The Chargers and Brandon Staley in particular 
need to win games and win games against good head coaches. And this, I mean, look at the, the schedule coming up. Now, apparently we might get Shaw in Denver instead of someone like Sean Payton, but that's a whole other, whole other conversation. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we could see Sean Payton in Denver. You've got Andy Reid twice a year. You've got Harbaugh. You've got McDermott. You've got Belichick. You know, McCarthy. Eh. But, hey, they won a playoff game and they're in the postseason. You know, they just had a great game. So it's going to be tough for them next year. And if you, if you just look at the Chargers this past year and really the, the two years under Brandon Staley, there's only three wins in both seasons against teams with 10 or more wins. Like this team is just kind of, if they're underperforming, if their head coach is better across from them, they lose. That's pretty much how it goes with the Chargers under Brandon Staley. So they need to win. They need to win consistently and they need to be good head coaches. If, you know, the second half of next year, half the teams are out of the race and quarterbacks are hurt and guys are hurt and they win games, that doesn't really mean a lot to me. I want to see them beat these good head coaches really starting with the Chiefs and Andy Reid. And then honestly, at the end of the day, I need to see this defense be good. Like, the defense hasn't been good. Overall, not really. Good for more than four games. Good for more than four games and good against good quarterbacks and good head coaches and good schemes. Like, congratulations, you beat up on Tua on a downswing. We've talked about this a billion times, but you know Nick Foles, Ryan Tannehill on one foot, Baker Mayfield. And then got boat raced by you know Russell Wilson, and then the second half against the Jag- against the Jags, you know they did circles around you. So I don't know. I-, I need to see winning, and I need to see at least at the very least for Brandon Staley to get my trust. I need to see him be good at his side of the ball, and I mean like good, good, good throughout the entire year. Like say what you want about Robert Sala as a head coach, maybe he's and I feel bad because he's Zach Wilson. But that unit was like a top six unit in EPA per play this year. Like they were the end so of the day, good on defense. Right. At the end of the day, Robert Sala, a defensive-minded head coach, their defense was good. And so you can see with that team, it's like, okay, if we just get a quarterback and fix our offense, we're good. With this team, you know, yeah, you could get an offensive coordinator, and we'll talk about that, and they might be good. But, like, this defense also needs to be really good. Because right now, the offensive coordinator is walking, walking into a situation where they have to put up 27 points per game just to have a good winning record. I mean, because this defense is really not doing them any favors. So win games, be good on defense. I think they'll start to earn my trust. But for the Chargers overall, really after the season, after talking to so many fans, I think a lot of us feel this way. My love and excitement for this team naturally, inherently, is gone. I feel like it now has to be earned. And so they have to earn it. And I don't know when I'll start trusting this coach, but I do need to start seeing winning and good defense. Uh, do we want to start specifically with reaction to Staley being kept, or do we want to talk about the press conference yet, or just kind of a mix it all? Uh, we'll talk about the press conference after this, okay. this part. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like Tyler said, it wasn't a surprise. <clears throat> I mean, I think the expectation going into Tuesday when they announced it was that Lombardi would be fired. They fire him and Shane Day uh, and retain Brandon Staley. Um yeah, I mean, I felt when we came on here on Saturday night, uh, we, we were all mad, <laughs> rightfully so, uh, about what happened. And, you know, we all came on and we're kind of in agreement that Staley had to go. Uh, and I felt the same way when I woke up Monday morning. Um, I wrote my piece for both feet, which, I mean, I still kind of feel that way. Um, and then Tuesday, of course, they announced their base. I mean, they didn't announce that they were retaining Brendan Staley, but they said that they were keeping him. 
Um, you know, in terms of what he can do going forward to earn trust, I think like Tyler said, it's it's kind of put up or shut up time uh, in terms of wins and losses, but just more consistency in terms of the decision making as well, because I think that's been the most erratic thing with Staley because, you know, wins and losses will will come either way and that will ultimately decide Staley's fate. Obviously, you have to get an offensive coordinator in here who's going to fix the offense, whether that's Frank Reich or somebody else. Um, but I, I just think that was where Staley went kind of most awry this season in a way that wasn't like in an X's and O's, you know, defense or his offense and where they were ranked in the league was just, you know, the the fourth down stuff He kind of explained it in his press conference today. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, that was just kind of inconsistent. And then the thing that hangs over the last two weeks of the season was particularly, particularly the decision with Mike Williams, right? Um, you get to that and, you know, this is a Staley who has talked about not playing anyone in the preseason. He's always act on not playing anyone in the preseason. Then we get to week 18 and, of course, what happened with Mike Williams happened. Um, so you get to that stuff, the decision making, the adjustments, the regression uh, that we've seen coming out of third quarter, coming out of halftime. So for me, I would just like to see, you know, a more consistent daily and what we would see in, you know, what we saw in 2021, right? Win or loss in 2021, I felt like Staley was pretty money, like in, when it came to press conferences and like just explaining his decisions in a way. The national media jumped on him in a big way when it came to fourth down and obviously what happened in the Raiders game. Um, but we were all pretty behind him at that point. It was like, yeah, look, the decision to go for, you know, on fourth down on from Euro 23, it didn't work, but we were all behind the thought process. And I felt like the reception that Staley got from the media then kind of altered his pro- thought process in 2021 and made, or 2022, I should say, and made him a little bit of a less confident coach um, in terms of the decisions he was making. So I just like to see a more thorough, you know, thought process where, you know, it's kind of not inconsistent decision making. And then like Tyler said, I mean, I think you obviously have to get wins. You probably need a playoff win next year. Um, obviously, a lot of things can happen in the season to the point where, you know, we can say whether Staley would be on the hot seat or not based on his result. Um, but, you know, obviously the Chargers didn't really feel like they went far enough this year or, you know, otherwise changes wouldn't have been being made. Um, so obviously they need a playoff win next year. They need success, you know, and they need their offense and defense to both be better. But just as a whole, I'd like to see Staley be philosophically more similar and in tune to what he was as a coach in 2021, as opposed to 2022. Yeah, Alex, I think that's a really good point. And, and not just like his actions, right? Cause his actions took a, p- a big step back in, in that regard. And, you know, in in 2021, it was like, oh, we have Justin Herbert, like, we're going to trust the offense, like, I have full confidence in them, you know, we're going to, you know, take advantage of every single possession, and, you know, you you can't score uh, field goals, and you can't punt the ball against the Chiefs, like, you have to go and score touchdowns, so we're going to do everything possible to do that. And then this year, it's like, well, our defense is better, we trust them more, our special teams is better, we trust them more. And so I do think the messaging of the way that he goes about coaching the offense in particular, I think is, is something that needs to change. And I'm curious overall, if he does take on a larger role with this new regime on offense, if you will, Um, you know, I think that is kind of the next step for him is, is be becoming more of a CEO coach, as opposed to just, you know, kind of a defensive coordinator um, who handles the situations, you know, if you want to put it that way. So, 
I I think this is a, going to be a necessary step, obviously, for Brandon Staley. And, and you know, I'm, I'm certainly by no means surprised that uh, they retained his his position. You know, the, the Chargers front office believes in Brandon Staley. And, you know, several national reporters reported before the game on Saturday night that he was not in danger. And he kind of echoed that sentiment today. Uh, I thought the, the way that that particular exchange was tweeted out was a little unfair to Brandon Staley to be completely honest and you know he has full confidence in what he's been able to establish with the chargers and the steps that they've been able to take and um you know i i think the front office the organization is behind him and they they want to trust his vision and see it through um obviously they've been patient in the past and there was you know no reason to believe that they were not going to be patient this time around um so obviously now we know he's the head coach and i think you guys are doing a, a great job of highlighting the things that we need to see from him. And and for me, I don't necessarily need him to, to give up play calling on defense, but I do think we need to see him have that larger role on offense. And uh, I'm hopeful that it happens. You know, he talked a lot today about, you know, his vision for the offense and it, like everything he was describing was not in line with the way that Joe Lombardi coached football games. Like it just, it, it, it felt like, you know, listening to him describe that and obviously reading Daniel Popper's uh, article this past week from all of the people that um, Brandon Staley tried to hire. And it's like, well, he didn't really feel like he had a backup plan. So he just essentially hired the guy that he knew and trusted. And that's just obviously not I don't think that's the way that you coach football in 2023. Mm-hmm. Like, you think, I do think you need that proper alignment uh, between you and your coordinators. I just don't know how much that's going to change going forward. So, um, you know, for Brandon Staley, obviously I'm hopeful, but like Tyler was saying, you know, I do think that he's going to have to earn this trust back. Regarding the role on offense, I'm so curious and we'll never really know, but I'm curious how much say Lombardi, let's say had, or Brandon Staley had in who, or at least how they did personnel with the offense, because in the draft, right. Or even in free agency, but the players they acquire, you know, Corey Lindsley, Zion Johnson, Rashawn Slater, they drafted Josh Palmer, Trey McKitty. Like, it's not like they're not investing in the offense. But when it comes time, you know, for the season, and I mean, Joe Lombardi, to his credit, for the most part, always went up and said, my fault, my bad, I suck, I need to do better. But when he's up there and he says, hey, I don't have speed. Like, <laughs> yeah, I can scheme things open. I don't have any speed. When stuff like that happens... You wonder, you know, how much control does he have? How much control would this next offense coordinator have? If Brandon Staley needs someone, they'll go get someone. And and they'll be on the roster. Mm-hmm. If Ryan Ficken wants something on special teams, hey, Raheem Lane over JT Woods. We're getting you know Larry Roundtree over Isaiah Spiller. I don't know if Joe Lombardi has any control with that, you know, that spot. And I guess it doesn't matter now. But I'd like Brandon Staley to help out his coordinators a bit more. If whoever this quarter, this offensive coordinator more, whoever this is, if they go out and they have no speed threat that's legitimately rosterable, or they have Foster Sarah out there at right tackle and a quarterback with you know busted ribs, I'd like Brandon Staley to go, okay, this isn't working clearly, and we need to do a little bit more here. It doesn't have to be a lot, but there just needs to be something. So I'd love to see him get involved with the philosophy, of course, if if that's what he wants. And we'll find out what his philosophy is because if they do the same things on offense, guess what? It might have been a Brandon Staley problem this whole time. Um, so I want to see him in, involved in the philosophy, a change, hopefully, 
and then just help this offense out if there's personnel issues, which, you know, he's 50-50 on those before, but it, like, get your guys some help. If your offensive coordinator mm-hmm. goes, hey, I don't have a speed threat, and you just go, okay, good luck. You know, that's not <laughs> going to out. <laughs> Figure it out with Foster Serral against Nick Bosa. Like, you can't do that. I understand you want to believe in some of your guys, but it's the NFL, mm-hmm. and you're not dumb. Help these guys out, so hopefully in the future they do. Yeah, um, I think what Tyler said there is on point. And also just kind of going into like the Chargers had so much next man up mentality this year. Right. And, you know, obviously with the amount of injuries they sustained, it wasn't feasible to just trade for a guy every week. Right. Otherwise, you know, they would. But they also could have been more aggressive at the trade deadline. Right. And Staley obviously traded for Cleo Mack in the offseason and made the big money move and signing J.C. Jackson and like doing all these things in the offseason. So like if he had really wanted a guy at the trade deadline, I imagine Telesco would have kind of gotten him for him. Right. So it's like that's kind of the thing too. definitely personnel. I think just being a little bit more aggressive than reactive to whatever is happening on the roster is a big deal. And then, like Tyler said, get your offensive coordinator, whoever that is going forward, some help. Right. You know, uh, if it if that's even as something simple as like a backup quarterback they want, if that's like, you know, a a choice for a wide receiver, whatever it might be, um, you know, whatever offensive coordinator who's going to come in here is probably going to want some say in personnel, whether it's as someone as experienced as Frank Reich or someone who's even more inexperienced. Right. They just want the best tools out there on the field uh, so they can bring this offense with Justin Herbert, you know, forward. So. Uh, definitely get some more speed in the offense and you know obviously you know we'll talk about Staley's you know speed comments uh, today but uh, overall yeah just would need to see a little bit more uh, work towards the offense and then uh, yeah defensive play calling will be interesting because this is kind of like Staley's last chance right like as a often as a defensive coordinator right like in terms of what happens this season so you know I know the offense the defense got better towards the end of the season but at the end of the year, you were still ranked 20th, right? Uh, in defense, you know, and he kind of explained that today in a way. But, you know, you just need to be better than that going forward, especially if you were hired to be a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I like how uh, he was saying that they were like a top 10 defense over the last two months of the season. It's like, great. Top six Where's... defense. <laughs> Where's that in the first two months of the season? <laughs> ah. Also, the first half does matter. Yeah. I, again, I, I think that quote was a little overblown as well, but <laughs> it was, it was. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously we're highlighting a bunch of different things. I'm curious, obviously what uh, people have in the chat tonight. Uh, so let us know what you guys think Brandon Staley has to do to regain, regain your trust if uh, he has lost it. So obviously we've kind of highlighted uh, a few different things here in terms of the fourth down mentality, in terms of consistency, in terms of obviously improving the defense uh consistency of messaging and philosophy i think those are all really good things so um all right let's get to some of the uh takeaways from the press conference today um again i I didn't have a ton of takeaways in terms of like his i I don't necessarily want to rehash like his his uh decision from week 18 um i was mostly focusing in on the offensive coordinator mentality um and we'll get to again some of our criteria some of the things we're looking for and then obviously our, our candidates here in a second but um, you know, it, it does sound like Brandon Staley is uh, kind of leaning towards that McVeigh, like Lafleur, Shanahan system. Uh, man, I should have worn my run the damn ball hat today. What a missed opportunity by me! Um, <laughs> but I, I think the way that Brandon Staley was kind of describing it, obviously, they, it it does sound like they're going to 
overhaul the run game. And I don't think that means he's going to draft B. John Robinson in the first round, like going to get that out of the way now. This team has way too many other needs to take a running back in the first round, respectfully. Um, but I do think that, you know, they're going to bring in a lot of people or a lot of coaches who kind of have that background in successful run games. And I think rightfully so. So um, that was really my, my biggest takeaway is, is the kind of system kind of philosophy mentality uh, that Brandon Staley is looking for on offense and particularly, particularly like he mentioned several times, marrying the, the run game and the pass game, as opposed to have it being kind of two separate units, because to me, I, I look at the decision to fire Joe Lombardi and Shane day as kind of an indictment on the that particular process because Joe Lombardi mm-hmm. comes from this the Saints offense, Shane Day comes from the Shanahan offense, and it just never really felt like the two meshed together at at the level that the Chargers were kind of hoping it to be. So um, that is something that I think is, is the right decision to to say, hey, like you know, insert coach here, Frank Reich, Joe Brady, whoever your offensive coordinator is. We also have a quarterbacks coach opening for you to decide to come in and pick your guy. So I, I do think that this decision to fire both of them at the same time will mm-hmm. help them and help Brandon stay. They kind of marry the two together. I really think that having a, a quarterbacks coach opening is pretty big for this team because whoever they bring in, if successful, let's say it's Frank Reich, Joe Brady, whoever, if they're successful as an offensive coordinator in in this first year, which they probably will be, I mean, listen, this season sucked for the Chargers overall. Guys were hurt. Herbert had busted ribs. He still got 4,700 yards out of it. So, you know, as long as you have a half-decent season, this guy's probably getting hired next year. So having that quarterback's coach that this guy can bring in to groom, I think more, more than someone like a Shane Day, and really prepare for, you know, the offensive coordinator's departure so the quarterback's coach can step up, I think that's huge. Um, his his words and how he described what he was looking for in an offensive coordinator today really changed my list a little bit um, in terms of the candidate that we're going to talk about because it's like, oh, you want... I mean, Stephen and I messaged on the side too. It's like, it really does sound like a particular candidate. It's probably not mm-hmm. going to be him for certain reasons, but it, it really does seem like they want a specific guy. So that, that was really my only takeaway and Stephen already talked mm-hmm. about it. So um with that said, I know I'm not, uh, I don't have as many takeaways as the next person. So Alex, <laughs> have at it. <laughs> um, all right. Well, first, talking about the coordinator thing. I th- yeah, I mean, I didn't have a lot of takeaways from a coordinator standpoint, just because I felt like Popper kind of like asked the question, right? He obviously asked like, hey, you know, you're, are you looking for guys from like the Shanahan, like McVeigh kind of thing? Um, and then Staley was sort of like, well, you know, you can look at my background and like see the guys that I would be interested in, right? Like in terms of what his background's been in the league. Um, and then, yeah, so, but then someone asked, I don't remember if it was Reedy, um, but he asked, uh, is experience, like how much experience mm. does, you know, this person who's going to be coordinator need to have? Yeah. Um, and Staley was kind of like, it would help if they had experience, but also like, it doesn't matter. Like we're, we're going to hire the best possible guy. I came from D3, look at my story, right? So, you know, like it doesn't really matter, you know, how much experience the guy has, whether it's just a matter if they're the best fit for the job. So in terms of the offensive coordinator stuff, I didn't really feel like Staley said anything like declarative today in terms of eliminating people. Um, I want to preface what I'm about to say. (laughs) First with the disclaimer (laughs) that what Staley did was very hard today, right? Like Bill Plaschke's there, all these national reporters who don't cover the Chargers all come into that room 
and you know wanted to eat him alive yeah. right to eat him alive right it is sharks in the water um and so that you know i i don't uh envy that position i think it's really difficult and also there was no way for staley to win today right there's no way he comes out of that press conference and people are like oh man you did like a really great job and i have i have faith in him going forward yeah if like, you were if you were anti-staley yeah. today yeah before today you were probably still anti-staley yeah i think if if you think brandon staley should have been fired saturday then you think he should be fired today if you think he should be kept saturday then you think he should be kept today as regardless of his press conference that's a disclaimer that being said i don't know man like this press conference kind of stunk like it wasn't very good i mean he kind of got indignant with the mike williams stuff um in response to the week 18 thing and then like daniel popper followed up with him a couple times and like tried to get an answer and then you just sort of got these platitudes like well we didn't know the answer to the cincinnati baltimore game you did right like and then he brings up tom brady you know never always never missing a game he always plays week 18 okay but the buccaneers played tom brady in the first quarter and then you played herbert three quarters right so you know in terms of your philosophy on players like the mike williams stuff is a total non-starter for me but past that i just felt like there was a lot of i take full responsibility I take full accountability. We need to be better in all three phases of the game. However, look at the first half. Like, there was a lot of that in this press conference. And he brought it up like four or five times. Like, the first half is what this team could be going forward. And I really think that Brandon Staley was just trying to approach that as far as being like a glass half full guy. That being said, no one wants to hear about the first half when you lose 20, you know, 27, nothing lead. Yeah. Like no one wants to hear about it, man. And so from that standpoint, I, I just think that was like a tough background to his press conference today. The Mike Williams thing, like I said, for me as a non-starter, I know, you know, the opinions on that will diverge depending on, you know, what you believe. Um, but I know we kind of universally as a podcast, we're kind of like, what the hell is he doing <laughs> in week 18? Um, so I don't know, again, it, like, you know, Steven and, and Tyler, you already said if you were anti-Staley before this press conference. You were still anti-Staley. If you were pro-Staley, you're probably still pro-Staley, but I just, I, it felt like he was saying the right things in terms of getting it to buy in, but he also wasn't reading the room. Right. And that was sort of my big takeaway from this press conference, you know, that doesn't mean you have to be like a crying baby at the podium and just be like, I'm sorry, guys, like the whole time and crouch in the fetal position. But, you know, I also just don't think that some of Staley's indignance towards questions today was completely earned, particularly because of the blown lead and because of a lot of the questionable decisions that we saw over the course of the season with roster construction as well as the injury stuff. So for me, I just didn't buy this press conference today. I know, you know, it's a controversial take on Twitter. I don't care, but I just thought it could have been better. Um, and honestly, in the long term, this doesn't matter because the next podcast, we're just going to talk about, hey, who's the best offensive coordinator we can put around? And we're going to flip the page and be like, who's, you know, uh, wh what do we do about this team going forward? And what's the best resources we can put around Staley? But yeah, I mean, I wasn't particularly impressed with that press conference today. And in terms of inspiring confidence, I don't think Staley really did it going forward. Yeah, I, I will say, regard he could have come out and said the greatest things of all time. It could have been like his first press conference where everything was like, man, he's saying all the right things. We right. love this guy. Amazing. 
I mean, it doesn't really matter for no. anyone, like anyone who was out. I mean, they're out and we're happy to jump back in at some point, but you got to earn it. Um, yeah, I, the, the press conference, there's a couple of things I could definitely nitpick with how he responded. It's kind of just been like a, a month or, or so of responses really after that week 18 game. It's like, I understand why you said some of the things you've said, but maybe you just shouldn't have said those things. And it's yeah. kind of been like the last month or so of that. So reading him saying some stuff today is just like, eh, okay. Um, I did think the one comment about him being like, hey, you know, sometimes you can find like that hidden guy. Three years ago, there was this outside linebackers coach who became a defensive coordinator. <laughs> that was me. And I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> that's that's great. You're awesome. Let's but- go to Mercyhurst for the offensive coordinator. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, so, that like, doesn't have to be the goal, man. You don't have to find like the next <laughs> hidden gem here. You I'm, can, I'm you can pick from the top shelf and, and get that uh, the high quality old stuff. Oh boy, um, <laughs> the high quality old stuff. Um, yeah, it, it was it was fine press conference. I wasn't really moved either way. Yeah, I think Alex's point is a fair point. I think like you know it, it goes back to this the consistency of messaging like i i don't think yeah. anybody would have had a problem if he said this is what our process was this is what we believed this is why we did it and just left it at that once you start yeah. getting to the point where you're talking about like well we didn't know if the ravens were going to be able to to win or not it's like they were starting anthony brown they were starting <laughs> a third string quarterback and we're like 14 point underdogs yeah. like you knew like come on like you knew um, so it just is, is like the way that I think he handles it. And, you know, hopefully he's able to learn from, you know, right. this, this kind of media presence and, you know, maybe that is something to, to buy into now the Chargers obviously kind of have more national attention, you know, he's going to have to start dealing with this at a, at a higher level. So, um, you know, this is going to be a process for him. He's going to be entering next season on the national hot seat, and he's going to have yeah. to figure out how to handle all of these media members like Bill Plaschke who only shows up to Chargers media stuff whenever he wants to talk shit on Brandon Staley and the Chargers. <laughs> um, for the record, I love the way that Brandon Staley handled that last question when when Bill Plaschke wanted to butt in right before the press conference was ending. So, uh, you know, this is going to be something that he has to do. You know, just like he's going to have to win over a lot of Chargers fans, he's going to have to win over a lot of media members back. And I think it's going to it has to go beyond, you know, his ability as a game planner on defense because, we have seen flashes of that, right? Like the Miami game and and all of these things. And, um, you know, obviously the first half against the Jaguars, right? You know, he's going to have to do more than just be a smart game planner. And a lot of that is is dealing with the media too. Um, okay, holy cow, this uh, super chat. Um, it's in pesos. Okay. <laughs> no, I saw it too. I'm like $125. <laughs> Wait, how much? But hey, man, appreciate that. Pedro Ramirez, uh, greatly appreciate that. We've had some other super chats in here as well. Um, we'll start with Pedro's, I guess. If the Chargers hire an OST from the Shanahan tree, do you think that Michael Meyer Mayer is the pick in round one if available? I, I don't know enough about Michael Mayer at this point to say. Yeah. Um, I think if you are hiring somebody from the Shanahan tree, you know, I, I don't think a tight end like Michael Mayer necessarily is mm-hmm. off the board. But I don't think he would be like absolutely the pick if he's available. Right. Uh, no correlation. And if you kind of hire an office coordinator from the Shanahan tree, who's to say they don't want like a fast wide receiver weapon. Right. So right. like, I don't think that necessarily means tight end. I I like Michael Mayer. Okay, here's the problem with tight ends. I started with Mayer. I've literally watched one prospect. So he's number one on my board. 
Um, <laughs> he's doing great or last, depending on how you look at it. The problem with Michael Mayer, I'm watching these tight ends, is the first time I started watching tight ends was the same year that Kyle Pitts was in the draft pool. So yeah. everybody's compared to the unicorn. Right. It's literally like <laughs> that's that's a generational talent. You know, yeah. when you offensive tackles, you know, I watch Panay Sewell. I watch Jamar Chase. Like it's so hard to evaluate some guys. So honestly, Michael Mayer probably gets like a second round grade for me at the end of the day. Um, I'll see what the other guys are like. I don't I have no idea. But I'm not opposed. Like you're picking 21 or 20. Is it 21 officially? Yeah. 21 officially, yep. So you know, I'm not opposed because you're not really getting first round guys at that point. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah, there was a there were a lot of takeaways regarding Brandon Staley's uh, comment about speed. And I, I think he's right. Like, I think he just didn't he didn't mm-hmm. expressly say, like, we need more speed. And people kind of took an issue with it. Right. Um, you know, they don't need more Jalen Guyton's like I, I think they do. But you're not going to out go out there and spend, you know, primary resources on somebody like Jalen Guyton. So. What he's saying is that they need to be more explosive on offense in every way, not just right. having speed. And I think that is the right process to have. Like, you know, they were, I think, officially like third to last in explosive runs this year. And, you know, they don't really have a ton of guys who, uh, you know, break a lot of tackles in space. That's another problem that they don't really have. So I think Brandon Staley is right. right. I think people just kind of overreacted about that particular clip. <laughs> Yeah, I th- I think he's right that, you know, obviously he's talking about marrying the the run game and the pass game and like that will create more explosive plays, more mismatches. But also this is kind of a reading the room thing for me because it's like the noticeable thing on this team is they don't have speed right now, right? Like that is the very noticeable thing when you watch them and you we know Telesco's uh, quirks with drafting, right? Um, <laughs> in terms of the right height and the right speed for receivers. But, uh, you know, so... I think when people are like, oh, well, you should get speed and that would help, you know, to be like, well, we need everything. It's like, yeah, but you all, you know, more specifically to your problem, you do need speed. And so, I mean, I just think that was kind of what the question was trying to get at. Sure, sure, sure. All right. uh, Another super chat from Austin. Love it. Appreciate it. He wants to know, is there any way to keep both Pipkins and Fox? Um, Yeah. Yeah sure like depends how how aggressive they're willing to be in terms of like restructuring and things like that um with Mm -hmm. the current existing number of cap space that they have right now no they would be able to keep like one key free agent so you know the Mm -hmm. chargers are going to have to be very creative this year and in freeing up cap space Mm -hmm. yeah we don't have time today to get into free agency news but we definitely have a lot to talk about uh coming up with that with both what we do know already and what we're kind of projecting. But I, I do think Fox is the least likely of the two. Although Fox is obviously a Staley guy. All right, trying to find the other one. If you can't find it, we do have a new one at the bottom. Okay, you can put that one up there. I'm going to keep scrolling. Okay. From Romy, a little off topic, but Popper said the team was trying to trade Keenan last offseason. Do you think they'll revisit that this offseason? So I don't really buy that they tried to trade him last offseason. I don't know what they could have like made a call. I don't think that's like yeah. them, you know, expressing sure. going out and saying, hey, we're gonna try and trade Keenan Allen. Yeah. I, I don't I mean someone might have called them, but I, I don't really buy that this offseason though. Yes, I do think that's possible. Although I don't know how what the I don't know how trading works in terms of the cap hit. Like they would have to take on that contract otherwise it's more cost effective for them to just cut him no uh for keenan it's about the same oh, okay yeah 
Um, yeah, I mean, I believe that they another team may have investigated uh, last year whether trading for Keenan was okay. Um, don't think the Chargers ever seriously engaged in it, but you know, Keenan's contract is kind of a tradable asset right now, right? Because it's an effectively an expiring deal with the out in 2024. So, you know, whatever team is trading for him is getting one year of Keenan Allen, right? And you don't have this big contract that's like going forward in the books. Um, you know, he is a little bit older, obviously, you know, coming off the injuries and stuff this year. I don't think it's a crazy discussion to trade him. Um, you know, obviously Keenan's been here for a decade, right? So I mean that plays into it in terms of like being a fan favorite and stuff, and obviously he's well respected in the locker room. Um, but Tom Telesco kind of has very you know, it's apparent that he set up Keenan Allen and Mike Williams contracts in a way where he can get out uh of both of them in twenty twenty four. Right. And he yeah. can get out by trading most likely Keenan Allen this year. Right. So the odds are for your, you know, opening day 2024, which you're still very far away away from one of them's probably not going to be on the roster. And if you had a bet right now, the most likely option of those two is, is Keenan obviously not being here. Yeah, I will have a lot of time to dive into all of that offseason stuff. I, I, I will say the team is going to look very, very different once Justin Herbert's extension hits. And that's right. the way that the Chargers plan for this roster right. around him. So mm-hmm. um, a lot of these core guys are not going to be here once Justin Herbert gets paid. Um, all right. The other one that I was trying to get to, uh, Richard Mazara, he uh, wanted to ask about our reactions, um, wanted to jump off the building. I think we obviously kind of answered that. I will say, I don't know if Richard is still in the chat, but um, I did not see your sign uh, at the game. I didn't. That's I don't right. know if uh, I don't know if anybody else caught the the Sean Payton Mike Williams sign that Richard had uh, at the game, and uh, you know I hope that that game was less painful being there in person than it was watching it on TV. Yeah, which is probably not true. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, having just uh, watched, been at a very painful game in person uh, at the Rose Bowl, so you know, mm-hmm. I think that was was that was there another super chat before that one? I don't think so. Uh, no, there's this one here and then one after. <laughs> okay, um, shout out to Isaac McRae. I actually met him at the Super Bowl, uh, or not not the Super Bowl, excuse me, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, we don't um, go to those. So that's no. Steven's Super Bowl. <laughs> Pretty much, man. Pretty yeah. Much. Uh, he wants to know thoughts on why the linebacker coach was fired. Easy to put to blame. So Tyler, you actually reached out. <laughs> just, uh, what do you well, wanna, I, What do you have to say about this? Well, let me see. Oh, my name's not up. Um, my user tag name, whatever for this stream, I changed it to. Definitely not about Kenneth Murray. Um, I can definitely confirm that there's a, a strong opinion out there that this firing was not about Kenneth go. Murray, whether you believe that or not. But I, I certainly got an interesting uh, message the other day. <laughs> um, whatever. It's a scapegoat firing. It's the lowest guy on the totem pole. There's no reason to fire Michael Wilhoyt. I, I don't see after Kaiser White's good year, Drew Tranquil's good year. You know, it's not Michael Wilhoyd that went out last year and said, let's try Kenneth Murray at edge. I highly doubt that was his decision. So it's a scapegoat fire. And I think, and can I really say this is, you know, added to it or not? I don't know. But Alohi Gilman coming out and saying some very positive things about him, one of the best coaches he's been around. You know, I guess I don't know what else he's supposed to say, but I think him saying that and the random message that I got and what I was told from someone who, you know, we talked to is, is 
it's a, it's a scapegoat fire, unfortunately. So it, it seems like he was good for the team and they had to fire somebody and he was the lowest guy on the totem pole. Yeah. Um, Staley didn't say anything about Will Hoyt today. Granted, no one really asked him about Will Hoyt specifically. Um, yeah, so, I was surprised about that. Yeah, no one really asked him about it specifically, but he also didn't like mention it. He just kind of talked about it in the general term of like coaching firings. You know, he's also that was one of his quotes today. He also said the situation's fluid, right? So there could be more coaching changes to come on the staff, whether that's in the form of firings or people leaving for other jobs. So, uh, you know, I guess watch that going forward. But yeah, we don't have a whole lot of information on Will Hoyt, although, you know, I, I it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's one thing you can point to and was like, oh, that guy was bad because if you're talking about like the disorganization at like the second and third levels, of the defense and lack of development, developing or developing players, I should say, you could talk about a lot of, you know, positions on this roster where that's the case, not just the linebackers guy. So, yeah, um, not a specific reason that's outright for right now. Yeah, I mean, it did feel like a scapegoat firing. I, I don't think that linebacker was a strength of the team although i feel like it was the the depth of that unit is probably one of the deeper uh units on the team so far um you know there were some technical things i thought that the way that the linebackers played all season was was a bit of an issue um how much that was his coaching i don't know it's it's really hard to kind of scythe through like okay kaiser white had a career season drew tranquil had a career season under playing under him but Kenneth Murray didn't necessarily take a ton of steps and there were still kind of some issues there. So it, it is a little difficult to siphon through, you know, he's, he's one of the coaches that I don't think is essential to the way that they coach defense. Like I think Jay Rogers mm-hmm. and Derek Ansley and Ronaldo Hill are essential to the way that Brandon Staley wants to coach defense. And it, it just kind of felt like Michael Wilhite was, was kind of around. So that's essentially why he got fired. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I should have had this in front of me. What's the name of the DB coach they're hiring or interviewing? I almost said Ron Howard. Howard. Yeah, I almost said that's Ron what Howard. I said too. <laughs> that was the first thing I thought of. It's not. Uh, but from Cleveland, right? I forget his Ryan Howard. Yes. Sure. Ryan, Ryan Howard? Howard. Yeah, they're hiring Ron Howard. Jeff Howard. White <laughs> Jeff dude named Howard. Okay. Okay. They're hiring, or they're not hiring, but they're interviewing Jeff Howard. I think honestly, I think that is the guy they're going to hire. I think that's who Brandon Staley called when he asked about Ficken. Ficken already has a relationship with this guy. 
And I, I think that's the hire. I think that's going to be the linebackers coach. So Jeff Howard. Jeff Howard. I will say the thing that's uh, <laughs> at least maybe slightly concerning about this decision is that it means that there's like two former NFL players on the staff. And that's not the end all be all in terms of like, you know, putting together coaching staff in the NFL. But um, I think you, you, you lose a little bit of credibility when you don't have that many former NFL players on, mm -hmm. on staff anymore. So um, I don't know if that's going to be possible with the coaching moves that are coming, but um, you know, I, I do hope that they're able to kind of uh, replace him in that regard. Um, again, we, we have some other things to get to, so we'll roll through these other super chats. Uh, Don Cheeto wants to know our thoughts about DeAndre Hopkins saying LA is one of his destinations. I assume he's talking about the Rams because it's not happening with the Chargers. Yeah, Pentagious yeah, Theater is great, you know, they have Hamilton sometimes. Enjoy, <laughs> yeah. Have Mike Williams not happening, yeah. They don't, the Chargers have like they barely have enough money to sign like Calvin Oy back. Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> Um, Alan Silva, the other super chat here, uh, says, thank you guys for all your dedication. I enjoyed your podcast and YouTube videos throughout the season. Thank you very much. Um, and then he says, indeed, Staley messed the season up as well as Telesco and Dean Spanos. I think everybody Stanley fucked it all up. It was all Stanley. Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> I think everybody is at fault. I don't think you can really pinpoint this on one person. Yeah. So yes, the answer is yes. All three of those people are at fault. 100%. Thank you, Alan. It's very kind of you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, uh, we're going to pivot here and talk about the offensive coordinator. Again, Staley uh, today kind of outlined some things that uh, he's looking for for the offensive coordinator position. So um, you can put the sheet up if you want, Tyler. We can have that going. So we're each going to have our top five candidates, and then we're also going to have an honorable mention candidate. Uh, before we get to that point, um, we've, we've all kind of hinted at it on Twitter, the things we're looking for. Uh, mm -hmm. for this position. Alex, we'll start with you. Uh, what are a couple of things that you are looking for in order uh, in an offensive coordinator candidate to uh, obviously come over and coach the Chargers? Yeah, um, I, I think Staley's pointed to sort of like a, a diverse background, like like a, being able to do a lot of things for one, right? And obviously coming from an offensive scheme that is a little bit more diverse, that kind of does mean like... Uh, shanahan right system offense we're looking for like a west coast guy um but obviously you know there's not a whole lot of like experienced offensive coordinators who are going to be in this hunt it's going to be a lot of guys who are qb coaches it's going to be a lot of guys who you know come from different backgrounds or offensive assistants who are looking to become first-time offensive coordinators obviously it's not the case with all the candidates but it's the case with you know a good number of them right so um you know i don't know if there's like a set criteria but if you're looking sort of for like my personal opinion, I think that you want a guy who is a little bit more experienced, has been in the league for longer um, I, for Staley, who is kind of a younger coach and, you know, has had some of these problems with some like game management type stuff. You know, I, I don't think it would be bad to have like an older coach that's sort of like in his ear, been around, done that. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they would have to have been like a coordinator per se. Um, yeah. And then for me, just someone who is able to kind of take their quarterback to the next level. And we're going to talk about guys that are on our list who have maximized quarterbacks they've been with. Uh, I'm sure Steven has one particular guy on his list, too, uh, that is, you know, very familiar with that. But it is obviously and Brandon Staley talked about this in his press conference today maximizing what you can get out of justin herbert um and so you know we're going to talk about 
offensive schemes as well as you know particular coaches who have been able to do that with quarterbacks yeah, yeah all- I- go ahead Tyler sorry oh, okay all fantastic points I- I'm just looking for someone who it's tough because if I list all my criteria there's no one that really fits that completely um, but I- I'd prefer at this point someone with a bit of experience with you know some kind of unique scheme to them something that deviates away not necessarily like they are unique and that they're the only team that does this but something that's not you know the chargers who were basically the least unique scheme in the nfl the last year and really close to someone like the new orleans saints with andy dalton you know you expect a bit more than that um but more than anything if possible i'd like to find a coordinator who has shown that they can do more with less um, that's not always possible. Some guys on the list, they've never called plays before at this level. You know, you can't always find a coordinator who's called plays, but you want to find someone, you know, when Joe Lombardi, when he had everybody, you know, the offense was better. Last year, it was even great at times, but you lose one player, you lose two players. I mean, you lose Jamari Sawyer, you know, at one point during against the Jaguars and suddenly, oh, we can't protect, we can't run. You know, you lose Keenan Allen at one point in the game or Mike Williams during the game. Oh, shoot. Um, don't know what to do. Let's retreat. You know, I'd like to find someone who is a good stabilizing force and can do more with less. Yeah, I think that's a great point as well. I think for me, you know, experience play calling in at least in the NFL is not necessarily uh, a prerequisite, in my opinion. I think for me, one of the things that that ultimately led to Joe Lombardi getting fired is, is just his ability to not be adaptable to the circumstances around him um, and, you know, in, in each specific game as well. So. I mean, we always saw, obviously, whenever things got tight, whenever, you know, they, they needed to have an extended drive, it was always the concepts that he knew that he was familiar with, the concepts that are a part of his DNA as a coach. And I think, you know, the more experiences, not necessarily play calling, but the more diverse background you have, the more things you're able to pull on throughout the season and throughout each individual game. So for me, you know, it's adaptability uh, above all else, I think, just because, you know, you're going to have to go through a lot of different things. You know, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams might get injured. Rashawn Slater might get injured. Like, what kind of different uh, buttons can you push in order to, you know, get this offense off the ground as opposed to just doing what you know and what you are comfortable with? Um, and I think, like Alex is saying, I, I think for me, like, we've we've learned so much about, like, the easy buttons that coordinators can push to get the quarterback going. Like, you have to have the, that ability to be able to, to get your quarterback going if he does hit a slip or get, or get your run game going if they are in a slump and things like that. Um, and, and to an extension, again, I'm I'm never going to ask for Justin Herbert to be Josh Allen. Uh, that is just – I don't think that's a sustainable way to, to uh, use your quarterback in the run game. But I do want somebody who has experience working with mobile quarterbacks who can mm-hmm. allow Justin to have that confidence that we, we saw from him at stretches through last season, at stretches when he was a rookie, and take advantage of his ability to run and make plays because, you know, we've seen, you know, all throughout the league, the advantages that having a mobile quarterback can give you. Um, and so that that's that's lower on the list than just like, mm-hmm. you know, solving problems and things like that. But I do want somebody who's who has that experience of using the quarterback run game, using the RPO game, using rollouts, getting Justin Herbert more on the move, I think is also a way to get him going and, and give him some easy buttons. Yeah, I would agree. And doing consistently. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. So um, I know who my top candidate is. I know who Alex's top candidate. 
is as well. Uh, but I'm curious, Tyler, here, how do you feel about uh, one Mr. Frank Reich? Uh, that's my number one. Uh, it's, it's part of what I talked about, about you want guys who are, I would prefer someone who's called plays at this point for this particular team. Yes, Frank Reich, it could be gone the year after that. But as we talked about earlier, as I mentioned earlier, it's also about the quarterback's coach you bring in. And I don't know who that would be for Frank Reich, but I would imagine he could pull a very solid quarterback's coach to come in to even just be with Frank Reich for one year. And that is your offensive coordinator the following year if Frank Reich gets a head coaching job. Now, do I believe that Frank Reich is going to be an offensive coordinator this year? I'm 50-50. He could be a head coach. But right now, he's my number one. And I think just the experience, the potential staff that he could bring in, the things that he could rework, and really his work with 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 less. I mean, they really haven't had a whole lot to work with. I mean, the poor guy gets there with one plan in mind. And suddenly that becomes, I mean, the Chargers made fun of the Colts for this, a quarterback carousel. And they really just did not have much to work with. But you at least see some good things with that offense, the way that guys have developed, the way the run game got going, the way some receivers have developed. Seems like a really, really solid system in place. And right now, I just Justin Herbert in a basic system can be good. I just want stability around him. I want consistency. I want the smart calls, the right decisions. I think Frank Reich brings that to you. Is he the next up and coming, you know, hot candidate? Not really, but Justin Herbert at this point, and really the Chargers just need a smart, solid, sound coordinator. And I think that can't be Frank Reich. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll see what kind of quarterbacks coach somebody like Frank Reich would bring. I'm sure he already has Nick Foles packed in his suitcase wherever he's going to go, and he'll be, you know, new Chase Daniel. But <laughs> aside from that, I think that Frank Reich. It makes too much sense for Frank Reich, and it makes too much sense for the Chargers, right? Yeah. That's sort of the dynamic here. I don't know if Frank Reich is going to get a job in Carolina or Arizona, and then if that happens, then you know the heat obviously is completely off the board. But you know he takes one year with Justin Herbert in that system. He's going to be probably the number one coaching candidate next year, right? Uh, in terms of you know sort of rebuilding his image, Benjamin Albright has sort of um, indicated that. People view him more as, as an OC right now. You spend one year with Justin Herbert and, you know, suddenly your perception is boosted nationally. Um, and but for the Chargers, like it makes too much sense, too. Right. So I think that from their standpoint, it's like, OK, we're going to pair this guy with Herbert. This is also our last chance to hire an offensive coordinator. We are going for the most sure thing on the board. Um, and so that is kind of why Frank Reich is number one compared to like everyone else on my list personally, um, and why he is just such a high like advantage there. There's a built in relationship with Tom Telesco. Yes. Tom Telesco fired him, but he also has his number still, so he can bring him back. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, just overall, I think Frank Reich makes a lot of sense for the chargers in terms of being experienced, being that guy that can be in Staley's ear. And, you know, uh, kind of like Matt Castle said in that uh, 33rd team clip, you know, it's you, Frank Reich doesn't do, you know, he does a lot different than Joe Lombardi, let's be clear. But uh, in terms of, you know, the RPOs and the stuff he does, but it, it's a lot of the same type formations uh, and, you know, kind of using the middle of the field, using mesh. There is some stick involved, not as much as Joe Lombardi would call it, um, but still some intermediate range stuff to the point where it's not a completely new offense for Justin Herbert to learn while also taking advantage of triangle reads and RPOs and actively seeking out mismatches. So 
Um, I think that's why Frank Reich is, is, is top dog for me. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about, you know, adaptability and, and problem solving and, and having, you know, diverse background. I mean, Frank Reich, like people, people only remember right now, like him getting fired, but I mean, he coordinated or, and called plays for top 10 offenses featuring mm-hmm. three completely different quarterbacks with yep. Philip Rivers and um, Andrew Luck and Carson Wentz. Like, yeah. Like you want to talk about getting more from less, man. Like he got a top ten offense out of Carson Wentz at quarterback. Talk about talk about more from less. I mean, those are the three that everybody keeps bringing up. But I mean, Andrew Luck retired a month before the season, and he played Jacoby Brissett, and the Colts, yeah. you know, were projected to be you know a one in fifteen, two and fourteen type disaster. They end up finishing seven and nine, I believe, with Jacoby Brissett barely kind of missing the playoffs that year, if I'm correct. And Jacoby Brissett, mm-hmm. you know, had a season that was, you know, pretty good, like as a starter relative to what the expectations were. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, Frank Reich, obviously kind of maximizing your quarterback there. That was not a year where Jacoby Brissett could have possibly been maximized and still got that Colts team to, you know, basically relevance and some form of like playoff contention towards the end. Yeah, I just think I think he brings so much to the table in terms of his you know experience and that's something that you know brandon staley has never had on his his coaching staff he's never had a former head coach and you know being able to rely upon you know frank reich to push all these different kind of buttons because he's been there and he's done that and he's seen everything you can see from from a head coaching perspective i mean he's he started you know five straight seasons with five different quarterbacks and every Mm -hmm. offense was competent right and you know he built a, a top offense out of a a run heavy approach he built a top 10 offense out of uh, you know, a deep play action passing game with Andrew Luck mm-hmm. and a quick passing game with with Philip Rivers. And yeah. I mean, we all remember what 2019 Philip Rivers was like on this show right. and hopefully in this in this chat. And Frank Reich brought the best back out of Philip Rivers. And, you know, they had the Buffalo Bills on the ropes in 2020 in a playoff game. Like, I think the way that he coaches quarterbacks is yeah. is just such at, at such a high level that the work he would be able to do with Justin Herbert right. would be, you know, I would love to see this pairing. I, and I know that there are certain people who will point back to his days with San, with the San Diego Chargers, obviously, and what he did with Mike McCoy. But, I mean, he's grown so much since then, and he's mm-hmm. been able to draw on so many different experiences. I mean, he won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia with Doug Peterson. You know, he was a constant playoff threat in Indianapolis with all these different quarterbacks. So, yeah. I, I understand like you might have certain memories of of the halfback draws and things like that from from the mm-hmm. McCoy offense. But I think Frank Reich is a completely different coach than who he was the first time around in San Diego. Right. And Mike McCoy was also hired as an offensive mind. Right, It was Frank Reich calling plays for McCoy's offense. Right. Yeah. Like that is the clear distinction as opposed to what this would be seven years later after Frank Reich's gained all this experience was just Frank Reich calling plays for Frank Reich's offense, right? Mm-hmm. Like that, I think, is the bigger um, distinction here. You know, uh, I, I think you guys have talked about maximizing quarterback play, and obviously that's a lot. But I think also we talked about, we just mentioned adaptability and what he sort of did with Philip Rivers is very different a little bit than what he did with Carson Wentz, right? Because Philip Rivers, mm-hmm. obviously, we saw him in 2019. Like Stephen just said, his arm is kind of cooked, right? They sort of unlock some of the middle parts of the field, you know, get him on some, you know, mesh stuff, some stuff he can easily hit. And then maybe once in a while, he'll take a deep shot. Then Carson Wentz comes in the next year and he starts taking a lot more deep shots. So, right. So Justin Herbert is clearly the most talented quarterback, uh, aside from Andrew Luck, yeah. that Frank Reich, you know, uh, would have ever worked with. 
Right. And so in that sense, you know, it's not just going to be like, oh, I did this in San Diego and that's what I'm going to do with Justin Herbert. Or I did this with Philip Rivers. That's what I'm going to do with Justin Herbert. You know, he's going to unlock Justin Herbert kind of to a new level based on the things he already does and the things he knows Justin Herbert uh, is talented enough to do. Uh, and that's just what Joe Lombardi wasn't able to do. Yep. Well, well said. <clears throat> All right, we'll get to uh, some of our other candidates here. We'll kind of go through faster. You know, do we want to go six to two, I guess? Or do we want to? Um, we can do the, the honorable mentions first. So okay. uh, at least for me, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of, I went about this a certain way. And, you know, I don't have any current offensive coordinators on my list. I think that's probably the way that you have to do things just because, yeah. you know, the, the the top tier offensive coordinators are getting head coaching jobs and the other ones mm-hmm. are, are, are sticking around and potentially being blocked from, from other hiring. So um, one, but... that's, that's totally fine. That's just the way that I, that I kind of have, have viewed it. Um, but so I'm going to go my honorable mention first, I'm going to go with Dan pitcher. I've talked about him a mm-hmm. bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, he is the current quarterbacks coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you know, just really quickly about him. I think one thing that's really cool, a d- diverse background. He started his career in the NFL as a scout and was actually, uh, supposedly able to climb that board. If he wanted to, he was a scout for the Colts back in the day. Um, then he goes to be a quarterback's coach. He's been quarterback's coach for Marvin Lewis and Zach Taylor. So he's been able to have two different, uh, schemes. You know, he's been able to major in the, the Sean McVay kind of offense that Zach Taylor runs. And, you know, Joe Burrow has credited him with implement the implementation of all of the LSU concepts that mm-hmm. they ran when he was a rookie. And, and so that says a lot to me um, in terms of his ability to work in different systems, do it well, work as a scout, do it well, and then also be able to, uh, you know, install different concepts and do that well. Um, he's also held he's also held a clock management role with uh, both coaching staffs in Cincinnati. So I think that's that's another one that I would like. Um, and then <laughs> I see Arjun in the chat here. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm <laughs> number five for me is going to be Mike LaFleur, uh, former passing yeah. game coordinator from the San Francisco 49ers, c- former offensive coordinator from the New York Jets. Uh, Brandon said he talked a lot about, you know, the, the principles of the Shanahan offense. And I think Mike LaFleur obviously got a, a little bit of a uh, of the shaft working with uh, the quarterback play offensive line issues. But I think in terms of creativity, in terms of problem solving, in terms of, you know, having a clear identity, I think Michael Floor would do a lot of good things with Justin Herbert. And, and obviously, you know, a lot of people are kind of pointing to him uh, being kind of lock and step right now with the Rams opening. Mm-hmm. If you're him, why would you not go call plays for <laughs> Justin Herbert as opposed to not calling plays with the Rams? So mm-hmm. um, we have not seen Michael Floor officially hired by the Rams. And so until he is, I will have him on my list and I think he'd be a, a really, really good candidate as well. Yeah. All right. Uh, Tyler, you go next with honorable mention and number six or number five. Okay. Uh, for the sake of picking someone slightly different, I have Tanner Engstrand, the passing game coordinator and tight ends coach for the lions. When uh, Brandon Staley was talking about nice. trying to, you know, merge and merge different things to pass in the run. You know, you may not just need a, a quarterbacks coach in this situation. And there are several good candidates, but someone who is a passing game coordinator, you know, and for the Rams who listen, I don't know, not the Rams, the Lions. I never would have thought, right, heading into this season that you'd want the passing game coordinator for the Lions with Jared Goff. But here we are where the Lions are, you know, a top six or seven, whatever it is 
you know, drop back EPA team. You know, Jared Goff was top 10 in drop back EPA per play or just at EPA per play. They're getting a lot out of him. And with the offensive coordinator, with the Lions staying, you know, at some point, if the opportunity presents itself, you could, you know, you can't be the offensive coordinator this year. He might have been the offensive coordinator if he left. But since he's staying, maybe go somewhere else and become an offensive coordinator. So, you know, it's kind of a unique pick, I suppose. I don't see this name being thrown around a lot. But, I mean, they got Jared Goff to play like that and that passing game to play like that. And they're doing kind of weird shit with Panay Sewell and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. Like, bring it. You know, the guy that was, you know, the passing game coordinator for a good passing attack and the development of, or not development, but like resurrection of Jared Goff and the development of some receivers. I'm all for it. So I think Tanner Engstrand, as a as an honorable mention, is a guy for sure. Hey, man, anybody that will throw the ball to Rashawn Slater absolutely is is worth, uh, <laughs> worth some money, worth some injuries yeah, at least. Exactly. My next, honestly, everyone between like Frank Reich and Tanner Engstrand are kind of in the same tier. So it really doesn't matter a whole lot to me. Um, at number five, I have Brian, John- bleh, Brian Johnson, the Eagles quarterback coach. Um, again, you talk about turning around Jalen Hurts, the way that they've used him, the way they've maximized him. They have a great staff over there, a really great system, it seems. Um, but Brian Johnson, I'd love to have him over here. I think he's the only non-play caller or former play caller that I have in my top five. Uh, he has called plays in college. Oh, well, sorry, I'm NFL play caller. Yeah, so I'll, I'll get to Brian here in a second. Okay. Um, Alex, welcome back. Hopefully hey. uh, all good there. Yep. Um, in case you missed it, Tanner Ingstrom, the uh, Lions passing game yeah. coordinator and tight ends coach, and then obviously uh, Eagles quarterback coach Brian Johnson. So, uh, who's your honorable mention, and then number five on your list? Um, I was close to having Tanner Ingstrom on. I considered him. Um, mm-hmm. my honorable mention is Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. Um, has offensive coordinator uh, experience. Is experienced. Uh, you know. Uh, at the NFL level, as opposed to just the college level or, you know, just like the office coordinator level, like some of these guys. So for me, I went with him. I put him in the honorable mentions category because I don't really think it's a possibility. Um, the I, I don't know if the Chargers are going to go, let's go pay an offensive coordinator $2 billion. Uh, and that's what Todd Pumpkin's price currently is at Georgia. Uh, so mm. right now, I think it's a less likely option. But if Staley's really serious about like, hey, I want a guy who's, you know, who has some experience and can kind of be in my ear. Munkin's a very experienced guy and has been coaching for, you know, 20, 30 years at this point. So for me, I, you know, and everyone sees what Georgia's passing game is uh, not in the same, quite the same vein as like Joe Brady a couple of years ago, but man, like the shit he's doing with fucking Stetson Bennett. It's like, it's, it's insane. That's a so, hell of an ace card, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that to me is just like insane in terms of like creating your offense. Um, and obviously if, if you could do that with Stetson Bennett, obviously you're doing that with a bunch of 15 stars at, you know, Georgia, but you know, you could do that at the pro <laughs> level. And I do, uh, you know, trust in his ability to kind of scheme things open, uh, as well. So, um, number five is my more, uh, outside the box pick that I talked about on Twitter. Hmm. I'm going to go with an Eagle. However, it is not Brian Johnson. It is run game coordinator and mm-hmm. offensive lines coach Jeff Stoutland. I love that pick. I uh, I didn't think they would do it. I don't think they would do it, but no. I love that pick. I was looking at it too. I don't think they would do it. Stoutland um, University for those who uh, <laughs> you know like the uh, Sunday Night Football introductions from uh, yeah. Jordan Mailata. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, this is sort of in the vein of what Tyler was talking about. Uh, I, I mean, he tweeted the Frank Smith thing today mm-hmm. and sort of that's like kind of the vibe you got from the press conference of like, you just kind of want a guy who can like reset the offensive line a little bit, mm-hmm. improve the running game. That's fucking Jeff Stoutland, dude. <laughs> I mean, he's been through the Eagles with through three coaching administrations since Chip Kelly. Uh, he's still around coaching the offensive line. Uh, and the run game is obviously, you know, self-explanatory. It's the best run game in the league. It's the best offensive line in the league. Um, and if the Chargers could get any degree of that, it would be awesome. Now, uh, he's been the run game coordinator, I believe, since 2018, offensive line coach since 2013. Um, mm. So, I mean, look, he has the experience to make the jump to play caller if he really wanted to. I don't know if he'll want to. He might be comfortable with job he has in Philadelphia. And I don't know if the Chargers would really consider it. But in terms of like that guy that Staley was talking about to, you know, basically reset the run game, reset the offensive line, there's no better pick in the league than mm-hmm. Jeff Stoutland in that regard. Um, so if you're looking for a guy who, you know, if you're fine with Herbert where he is now in terms of his, you know, he's a top five quarterback and you just want to fix everything else around Herbert, that to me is like a, a pretty good uh, pick to do that. Man, I'm disappointed that I am not the one who thought. Yeah, I picked the offensive line, line guy, baby. <laughs> I uh, I was reading Albert Breer today too, and Albert Breer was saying that Sean McVay's thinking about reaching out to Bill Callahan uh, and getting mm-hmm. him as the offensive coordinator in LA. And I'm like, damn, <laughs> that would be really nice. Bill Callahan is an offensive coordinator too, and you know Jeff Stoutland is is another one. So I, I think that would be really good. All right, so uh, Alex has Todd Munkin at honorable mention. I have him at number four for me. Um, you know, I think there is a slight possibility that Brandon Staley would be able to pull that higher off. I mean, he loves yeah. the Georgia program. He has a great relationship with Kirby Smart. Um, Todd Munkin is is generating some buzz in the NFL, and if you're him, why would you not go work and call plays with Justin Herbert as opposed to? You know, like calling plays for uh, the Patriots or calling plays for, you know, all these other teams, the Jets. Like, why would he want to go to work there? So I think there is a good amount of possibilities there. So he's called plays at, you know, a variety of stops, college and NFL, um, which I think is very valuable. You know, he's been a receivers coach in the NFL. He's been a quarterbacks coach in the NFL. He's done all of that in in college football as well. So um he's never been a head coach but i think that's as as close as you can get i think that would help uh brandon staley quite a bit and then you know you want brandon staley to get an identity and offense man like what's more identity than than georgia offense right now fast physical you know we're gonna do two tight ends we're gonna do a lot of rpos push the ball vertically and we're just gonna you know out athlete you granted i don't know how you can out athlete in the nfl but uh you know I, i think we'd have a clear vision for what he would want you know, with the Chargers offense. So uh, Todd Munkin is that for nice. me. Uh, number three, I've changed up my order a little bit here. Uh, I'm going Brian Johnson, my guy, at number three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm going to go with Joe Brady at number two. So mm-hmm. Joe Brady is is my uh, consolation prize for uh, Frank Reich, if you if you want to call it that. So um, just since, you know, Brian Johnson was is – I assume going to be mentioned by Alex as well. So he has called plays. He's called plays at Utah, of course. Um, <laughs> he's called <laughs> he's called plays at the University of Houston, at the University of Florida as well. So um, you want to talk about somebody who has a diverse background. I mean, he called plays for a power run game at the University of Utah. He called plays for the air raid at Houston, called plays with a two quarterback system 
uh, with Kyle Trask at quarterback uh, at the University of Florida. You know, he's done some great work, obviously, with Jalen Hurts recently. So, you know, he checks that uh, mobile quarterback box that I'm looking for. You know, he's he's been able to be around Nick Sirianni, Shane Steichen, um, and, and just the way that that unit solves problems and has different game plans for each specific week, I think is, is something that I'm very interested in. Um, it's a little biased, you know, of course he's a Utah guy. I, I really had him at number two, but I felt like, you know, mm-hmm. I had to kind of take as much bias out of it as I could. So that's why I put Joe Brady at number two. Um, again, somebody that I think could come in and have some similar verbiage to what the chargers have had, you know, hit from his days with the saints, but at the same time, you know, he goes to LSU and it's a lot of empty sets. It's a lot of similar air raid principles. I mean, he, you know, he he allowed Joe Burrow to, to you know, run the football a little bit more, a lot of shotgun run game. And he goes to Carolina, does just kind of his own thing. And, and it didn't necessarily work out super great. Granted, he was calling plays for, you know, Sam Darnold and Teddy Bridgewater and Cam Newton. So, you know, I don't necessarily know if he's like a get more out of less guy. Mm-hmm. Um but I think it's just the schematic portfolio for me that that he's able right. to draw upon, which is really you know why I'd be interested in him. I mean, he, he, now he's in Buffalo, and it's a lot of vertical stress on teams, right? And and so I think mm-hmm. schematically he checks the most boxes for me outside of Frank Reich. Yeah, no, that's that's great. Uh, obviously, I have Joe Brady on my list at some point too. I love that there's a variety of experiences there. You know, Joe Lombardi tried to go to the Lions, it didn't work out. And you go back to the Saints. So there was no like differentiation at that point for him. It was just kind of working with the same system. And hey, you know, for a while that system worked for where they were at. But someone like Joe Brady, a variety of experiences there. That's great. Uh, oh, should I go next? Or sure. Right? Uh, it was Tyler next, buddy. Oh, either way. That's cool. Okie dokie. All right. I will go. Okay. At number four, I have Mike LaFleur. Hmm. I cannot type sideways to save my life today. There you go. Michael Floor at number three. I do have Joe Brady. And at number two, I only have to include him because they have not told me no yet. So until they tell me no, I'm going to keep including Frank Smith, who today, I don't think it's possible, but it is kind of. So I guess I do think it's possible yeah. that if, if the Dolphins do allow this, that Frank Smith could be you know, allowed to go and become the actual play caller, maybe the assistant head coach or whatever. Um, if you want to talk about today and the, what, what Staley was talking about in his coordinators, he wanted someone who could solve the run game, someone who could adjust for blocking schemes, someone who, who can you know, pressure the defense with uniqueness and pre-snap motion. And Frank Smith, from either his experience with the Chargers or the offense he was at with the Dolphins, has that i mean arjun sent me a graph and i think he posted it as well i I, I don't remember whose graph it was so i apologize but the dolphins had one of the most unique schemes in the nfl and they also had you know they were top i think they were ninth in pre-snap motion last year so that i think just it checks so many boxes and we've seen what frank smith can do with this team so if for some reason there's they're able to to poach him i think that'd be fantastic mike lafleur um you already talked about joe Brady, so i'll kind of talk more about mike lafleur not a slam dunk candidate because there's always that asterisk of i mean you looked at the jets not like they were the greatest offense of all time right but i do think you know he kind of moves up the list because of what brandon staley said today which is you know look at my background and see you know who 
I might have worked with or the systems that I, that I kind of worked with before. Right. And I think LaFleur could definitely be someone that they try to get the first time and they might come back around this time. Uh, we'll see what they end up doing or what he ends up doing. But I think it's definitely possible. If you look at where his scheme is clustered, you know, it's very much with the, the some of the best rushing teams in the league it, um, this past year in EPA per play. So you have like the Falcons, for example, the Packers, the Bears, that's kind of a Justin Herbert, or excuse me, Justin Fields thing. Really good running teams there. Um, and they also, I think, had the, the third most pre-snap motion in the NFL last year. So you get, you know, not a unique scheme, but a good run scheme. And you saw what they did with Brees Hall. You get a lot of pre-snap motion. There's a familiarity mm-hmm. there. He's called plays before. And instead of Zach Wilson, you get Justin Herbert. So I think there's just a lot to like there. Yeah, and he was he was definitely not afraid to push the ball down the field with Zach Wilson. So uh, I think that helps. In terms of Frank Smith, man, if I knew that he were available and the Dolphins were not blocking him, I think he would be right behind Joe Brady, in my opinion. Um, you know, Joe Brady obviously has that edge in uh, play calling experience, but you know, Frank Smith, I think uh, you know what again, you know, a diverse candidate. You know, he majors in the the Sean Payton, John Gruden kind of West Coast traditional offense. You know, he comes to the Chargers and he's he's the run game coordinator. And Brandon Staley wants him to install a lot of wide zone Kyle Shanahan or yeah, Kyle Shanahan run concepts. And he does that. He does it at a, an extremely high level as a run game coordinator. And then he goes to Miami and, and you know Mike McDaniel. It's a lot of San Francisco offense. So um, you know, he's had a variety of experiences, a variety of roles. He's been a hot tight ends coach. He's been uh, a run game coordinator, offensive line coach. He's been an offensive coordinator. It, it's just the the fact that the Dolphins, I, I think, would presumably just block any kind of interview candidate. So if I knew that he were available, he would absolutely be in my top three, uh, in my opinion. So, um, all right, Alex, we'll uh, get to your final picks here, and then uh, we'll uh, wrap the show up tonight. What are the rules regarding... Um, whether they can block it or not, they can block anything that's not a promotion. Yeah, so it, it's a lateral move. So any yeah. offensive coordinator who any other okay. team wants to interview could be blocked, even if it's a, a non-play calling situation. Yeah, so Frank Smith was, is not yeah, calling plays. The question I had because I'm I'm pretty sure that's right that you can't like they can still block it even if he's not calling plays in Miami, right? So that yeah. obviously they would probably choose to block it right yeah. so um, you used to be you used to be able to block like any move right like yeah. you used to be able to have you know mike mcdaniel as your run game coordinator and say hey chargers no you're not going to be able to hire this guy as your offensive coordinator um now it's you can only block for lateral moves is, is the new thing yeah um getting to my list i have four michael floor three i have uh joe brady two i have brian johnson um so you know kind of a flip-flop order of you know the same guys that steven and tyler have but um yeah i mean i think those three candidates pop up on lists for different reasons i mean michael floor obviously i mean you know people could say what they want about the jets and and obviously that was a rotating door in and out of quarterbacks i think through like the first three games of the season this year Joe Flacco like was second or third in the NFL in passing yards. So if you want to say that, you know, it's some good Michael things with Mike White. Right. Yeah. As far as, you know, <laughs> getting the ball down the field, like, you know, uh, Michael Fuller is not afraid to do that regardless of whose quarterback is, whether that's Joe Flacco or Mike White and a little bit more challenging with Zach Wilson. But um, yeah, I, I think that Michael Floor is a good candidate, obviously comes from, you know, kind of that Shanahan 
uh, vibe that uh, Staley is looking for. And he does have some offensive coordinator experience over the last two years. So, I mean, that is a kind of a, a plus on his resume if he's looking for his like second uh, job in that regard. I went with Joe Brady, number three. Um, yeah, pretty self-explanatory. I mean, you are looking to push the ball down the field. You're, you know, looking for an offense that's going to pop. And Joe Brady did that at LSU. Um, didn't do it as successfully or, or wasn't replicated as well in Carolina. But Carolina also, you know, kind of like the Jets this year, the year that Brady was the offense coordinator was, like Steven said, kind of a mess at quarterback. But, you know, he maximized certain things about that offense still. Um, and you give Joe Brady the kind of keys to the Ferrari that he had at LSU and he could make it run because we saw that he was able to do that. Um, so obviously, you know, he's a young up and comer. I went Brian Johnson, number two, um, you know, you could kind of flip it in whatever order you wanted, but for me, I just think the, the way that he's maximized quarterbacks really like goes to him here. I know Steven mentioned Kyle Trask, there's, uh, Jalen Hurts. And of course you also have to mention Dak Prescott, uh, from his time at Mississippi state. Uh, and obviously we've seen what Dak Prescott's turned into, uh, since, you know, as a, as a fourth round pick who's now, you know, a top 10 quarterback in the league. So, you know, you're looking at what, you know, that development there, you know, turning Kyle Trask into a Heisman candidate, turning Jalen Hurts into an MVP candidate. I mean, you know, the 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 list kind of goes long in terms of what he can do with the quarterback's mechanics uh, and maximize uh, that all of them. And over, you know, some of the other candidates who don't have play calling experience, you know, on any of our lists, he does, you know, have the play calling experience quotient or at least some experience doing that um in college which you know is relative to uh the resume but or or, you know should be something that is considered when comparing him with potential uh you know mm, other offensive like analysts you know hirings that haven't like jumped into the fray or offensive assistants that haven't jumped into the play calling fray brian johnson kind of already has that so you know he's kind of ready to rock from day one only reason I kind of view him as potentially unlikely if it is true that shane steichen is the favorite in carolina then obviously Brian Johnson would have a very easy path to promotion in Philadelphia. And, you know, then Staley would kind of have to convince him, or well, why do you come to the Chargers if you can just take the Eagles job, which is what he would do. Right. So kind of is incumbent on Shane Steichen staying in Philadelphia. Um, But yeah, Brian Johnson would be my number two candidate in the same vein of Frank Reich, if he is truly available for this job. Yeah, I think that's that's uh, a similar vibe for a lot of these, you know, uh, right quarterbacks, coaches, right? Like you can talk about Shea Tierney, who's the quarterbacks coach in in New York. And, you know, if Mike Kafka gets a a head coaching job, like, you know, he's he's starting to pick up steam and and rightfully so, you know, Mm -hmm. Shea Tierney, who's been with Brian Dable at Buffalo and at the University of Alabama. is probably that next offensive coordinator line. So I I think he's another worthwhile candidate. Um, he's a little too green for me personally. I, th- I think he's only been a quarterbacks coach for one official year, which is this year um, in New York with Brian Dable. But I do think that would that would be an attractive thing. And then Zach Robinson, another one who's been you know mm-hmm. commonly floated out there by several people. Um, similar feelings for me. I-, I think he's he's still probably a year away before I would feel comfortable with him as like an off a legitimate offensive coordinator candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, he's only been the quarterbacks coach, like the, the only quarterbacks coach in uh with the rams for this past season and you know it it was really hard to see like where was his influence when everybody was injured i mean matt stafford played eight games or whatever it was so um zach robinson and shay tierney i think are worth mentioning but for me Mm -hmm. i think those two are a little uh too green for me at this point 
Yeah, other honorable mentions. It's, it's well, half the list I feel like I deleted because of different reasons, like Daryl Bevel's returning, it seems. Uh, Matt Weiss is in some legal water. So <laughs> there goes that one. Um, some people mentioned Matt Unfortunately Nagy. for Arjun. Yes, unfortunately for Arjun. He was big on Matt Weiss, and I, I would have too. There was a lot of reasons to like him, but uh, not happening now. Uh, Noah mentioned, I don't think, Pep Hamilton. That is a possibility, I suppose. Um, I, but even, I would even be down for Stump Mitchell the run game coordinator for the Browns, because why not? Let's get a 63-year-old uh, run game coordinator for the Browns. At least that's a good run scheme. Like, the, the Browns yeah. run the shit out of the football, um, and they were top five in, I think, the uh, EPA per play for that. So uh, he's 63 years old. You know, not that that's anything wrong. I just, you know, I don't know what their perspective is on um, bringing in offensive coordinators uh, who haven't really had any play-calling uh, experience before. But, hey, if you're going to get a run game going, be like the Browns, except for the quarterback thing. <laughs> except for the quarterback thing. That's exactly <laughs> right. Um, Alex, any other candidate that you thought about? Um, I see somebody put in Jason Garrett. Jason yeah, I put in uh, Jason Garrett, and I'm putting him in as the least honorable mention. Uh, <laughs> he, he's there on the sheet. Uh, and the only thing that I would submit is what has happened with, uh, yeah, uh, Daniel Jones in New York. Uh, <laughs> with Brian Dable. Yeah. Jason Garrett had that offense, I think, bottom two, both of the years that he was offensive coordinator, yeah. which pretty hard to do. Um, you know, that's almost as impressive as being top two in an opposite way. But yeah, Jaren, J- Jason Garrett, uh, absolutely terrible. Someone mentioned him in the chat, so I had to get him in. Absolutely no chance, even though the Chargers did interview him for the head coaching job two years ago. <laughs> Uh, don't see him succeeding in the search this time. Yeah, definitely not. He, um, he's doing things at NBC, I guess. Um, yeah, I, I think these... <laughs> Jesus, Tyler. <laughs> Where's Deuce Gruden? Is he still available? Where's Jay? <laughs> oh, man. I, I will say, I thought about Deuce Staley, too. Deuce Staley is the running backs coach, yeah. running game coordinator in Detroit. He's somebody that I thought about putting on my list as well. Former Eagle, too. Uh, yeah. No, I, I don't I don't think any of the Grudens are currently employed anymore. Uh, Jay Gruden is a consultant for the Rams right now. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, there you go. All right. Uh, Tyler, Alex, any other final thoughts before we uh, call it a night? Who do we think is most likely in terms of what the Chargers want? I think Mike LaFleur would be, would be pretty high on, on Brandon Staley's list. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has an existing relationship with Zach Robinson, and I think that would also be high on his list. Um, Daniel Popper put Nathaniel Hackett in, uh, in his list. Uh, the hardest, hardest of passes on Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator. Yeah, um, I would say LaFleur or Reich uh, at this point. You know, LaFleur in the sense that he's probably going to be available regardless, right? I don't think he's, you know, jumping to take another offensive coordinator job that's not the Chargers at this point, right? He'd kind of be like a clubhouse leader for that one, right? Um, And then Reich is obviously if he is available, depending on the results of the head coaching search. But, you know, if Brandon Staley kind of wants the most slam dunk thing there is, there's an existing relationship there between him and the Chargers. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that that one is, is very high up and, you know, Chris Mortensen and other analysts wouldn't be putting that out there if it wasn't already like a thing too, like in league circles, uh, in terms of what, uh, Reich will do if he doesn't get a head coaching job. 
So I, I do think that is kind of out there for a reason. Yeah, no, I agree with you guys. Um, in terms of the timeline here, um, I would expect we start hearing about some interviews uh, probably tomorrow or at least some requests. Um, you know, we'll see kind of how this this plays out, but um, it, it generally takes at least a week uh, for mm-hmm. a, a coordinator hiring like this. You know, the Browns hired their new defensive coordinator, Jeff, Jeff Schwartz, in basically a week. So I would expect by like next Friday, we at least have like a good idea of, of the direction that they're trending in. Um, Brandon Staley said that they'll take their time. Of course, they're going to cast a wide net. Um, this is this is no mistake about it. The best offensive coordinator position opening in the NFL right now, because you get to work with Justin Herbert. Um, you're essentially one, one year away from becoming a head coach. If you get this right. So, um, you know, I, I will say that as well. So, um, yeah, we'll, uh, keep you guys posted over the next couple weeks, um, how this goes and, and who this, uh, this coaching hire works out. So, uh, excited to see what what comes of this. Hopefully, Brandon Slade is able to to pull off a good hire. Obviously, this is the most important decision of his career. You know, yep. he's got to get this offensive coordinator hiring right and uh, be able to you know get Justin Herbert and the offense back on track. So, uh, appreciate all you guys in the chat. Like I said earlier, um, please leave us a rating or a review. Please subscribe, like this video, and uh, let us know who you guys want uh, the. <laughs> Popper's here. Hey, we got Daniel Popper in the chat. Wait, what Daniel Popper's up? in the chat? Yeah, we got Daniel Popper in the chat. Is it is Daniel the... Popper or is it a Daniel Popper? <laughs> Wait, is it the real Daniel Popper? Are you the no. real Daniel Popper? Will the real Popper please stand up? <laughs> Wait, um, what's a way we could ask? Uh, How do we verify this? I don't think we can. Um, uh, um, what are you drinking right now? Oh, he just makes something up. What's on uh, your SoundCloud? Yeah, exactly. Oh, there you go. Describe music production. <laughs> Describe music production. Do a, a, tor- tor- a tutorial real quick for us to to learn how to make a track. I don't think it's him. Ooh, all right, well, Sauv Blanc. I assume that's a drink. I assume that's Alex? a drink. <laughs> yeah. Someone young Blanc, bro. You never heard. Well, yeah, I mean, you never heard because I mean, yeah, but uh, <laughs> we're just here talking to a, either a real or a fake, <laughs> or probably fake Daniel Popper. So, someone okay, someone in the YouTube can click on that profile and see if it's real or not. So, I mean, do that for us. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody can do it on YouTube. Can I do it on YouTube? Uh, we can't do it from the chat, but you can do it from YouTube. It's not him. It's not him. The real Daniel Popper and I are going to have a chat at some point in the next few days about all of this. So mm-hmm. uh, I appreciate Popper for uh, <laughs> for tuning in tonight, I guess. Um, but uh, you'll, you'll, all of you will get to hear what the real Daniel Popper has to say uh, in the next few days. On, we'll on confirm with him as to whether this was the real Daniel Popper or not. In the <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's going to do it for us today, guys. We'll uh, We'll talk to you soon. 2.30, baby. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.